and we are live! Welcome back to Takes by Fans. we got a great show for you today. As always, we are live every single day at noon Eastern. If you want to watch live, head over to twitch.tv slash takesbyfans. If you want to watch but not live, head over to our YouTube channel, Takes by Fans. We post all of our shows and clips of the show there on a daily basis. And if you just want to listen, we are on podcasting apps, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. So... However you want to watch or listen, we've got you covered in multiple ways. Alrighty, today's a big all Wednesday, folks, and usually Wednesdays are our film study days during the uh, NFL regular season, uh, but uh, you know, we're in week two of the Super Bowl week, and we are going to still be watching some film. Uh, there's a couple of games I want to watch from Joe Burrow. We want to watch his uh, best overall offensive performance. I want to also kind of re-watch that sack game against the Titans in the playoffs because, you know, that is the biggest narrative. That's probably the biggest narrative going into this game. Joe Burrow getting sacked. Aaron Donald, um, Von Miller coming at him, Titans sacking him nine times, but he still won the game. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody knows about the sack, and uh, we, we're going to hear from the offensive line coach, and we're going to watch that game again to see how he was kind of uh, you know, playing off of those sacks and once again watching those sacks to see are they on Joe Burrow, are they not? So revisiting that. And then for Matthew Stafford, we want to watch his best overall offensive performance as well. That came about week three against the Bucks, and we'll just watch how that offense plays out. So once again, just kind of trying to get all the information that we need gathered and combed through, talked through, so that come Super Bowl Sunday, we are on the right side, folks. This is the last NFL game of the year, the big daddy of them all, folks, and we've got to get it right so we are on our quest of continuing on that path of finding the vital information needed to make the right play Super Bowl Sunday so we've got that today on the show uh some news in the NFL we're hearing from uh, new coaches here finally we hear what they're uh saying in their press conferences and uh their kind of first words after being hired as a head coach so we'll hear from them and um got to break down the NBA trade happened yesterday that is just so stupid <laughs> so stupid trade um and there's a lot to talk about so let's just start the show here we'll start with the NBA and then transition to the NFL and the film studies and all that so here we go, and before we dive into the games in the NBA from last night, let's talk about the trades, trade rumors. We got the trade deadline coming up tomorrow, folks, and it really should be it should be a great day tomorrow. The trade deadline, usually the NBA trade line trade deadline is like one of the greatest days that there are in all the sports. NFL trade deadline, it's never that exciting. NBA trade deadline, you know, we get the talk, and then we usually get something big and explosive the day of. So tomorrow. Tomorrow should be big time exciting and real time and all that. Uh, but we've got one more slumber until that day. But uh, there was still trades happening, folks. And we get kind of, is this the second big trade of the trade kind of deadline week? And this one just makes no sense. Nobody's happy with it. it I'm not happy with it. Um, uh, is there any winners in this trade? Not real. I don't know. I don't. I don't even know if there's any winners. I think they just went from the same to the same. I don't think either of these garbage teams got better. But here it is, folks. The Pacers and the Kings completed a massive six-person, six-player trade yesterday, folks. The Pacers 
in the Kings. Have we ever talked highly about any of these teams at all this season, folks? The Pacers and the Kings were actively betting against these teams almost on a nightly basis because they are not good overall as a team. And they were trading their star players. But here we go. The Pacers are sending Sabonis, Jeremy Lamb, and Justin Holiday to the Kings in exchange for Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Tristan Thompson. The Pacers finally got rid of kind of their main guy, their face of the franchise, who they were trying to build around uh, for the last five years that never had any success. And this is what they trade him for. Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Tristan Thompson. Now, we know Tyrese Halliburton is very, very good. He's a good, nice guard out here. Buddy Heald, you know, we're a champion of Buddy Heald. We like the three-point shooting. But going to the Pacers... There's already no infrastructure there. You got rid of Karis LeVert. You got rid of Sabonis. So you traded all your good pieces for good pieces? <laughs> what is that? They're going to be the same team. They're just going to be bad now with Tyrese Heller, Halliburton and Buddy Heald instead of Sabonis down low. So it, it, the trade just, it, it's nonsense unless they're looking to kind of trade with another team today or tomorrow because now we get this right here. The paces are open to flipping Buddy Heald to another team before the trade deadline on Thursday. So maybe they're just, you know, positioning some pieces. This Is this going to be a big brain chess move? The Pacers looking to get a bigger score, but they need Tyrese Halliburton and Buddy Heald. And why would they need them? Because maybe potentially Buddy Heald is getting traded to the Lakers like we kind of want. We wanted to see De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald traded to the Lakers, but maybe it's just going to be Buddy Heald and maybe they get Buddy Heald for Russell Westbrook and then you get Russell Westbrook and Tyrese Halliburton. Maybe that works out a little bit. Maybe. I don't know, but maybe it would work out. So maybe these two teams are, you know, setting up this stage for a big blockbuster, mind-blowing trade either today or tomorrow. So this is why we truly, I truly cannot wait for tomorrow to happen. Once the trade deadline gets closer, teams get more desperate, and uh, teams got to make a move, and teams are going to be making moves out here because the Lakers last night, folks, absolutely got, you know, outclassed by the Bucks, which we called Bucks minus three and a half they cover that easy I want to say it was like a 16 15 point win we'll talk about that game when we get there but now um you know LeBron losing last night again with all of them playing AD LeBron and Russell Westbrook now there's a report saying quote sources have indicated that the Lakers no longer believe they can win at a high level with Westbrook alongside James and Davis so looks like the Lakers are trying to trade Russell Westbrook we get Buddy Heald potentially you know still available to be traded even though he just got traded so, Lakers looking to get rid of get rid of Russell Westbrook, which one of the most unfortunate things, you know, y'all know how we feel about Russell Westbrook. We will not knock him. I feel so bad for this man and how he gets treated. He seems like one, like just a good stand-up dude. And in terms of athleticism and competitive heart, I mean, he's got both in freaking spades, folks. And that's what we love and truly kind of uh, look up into Russell Westbrook is that competitive spirit. You get a trillion percent by this man 
every second of every game in this kind of NBA culture where you know everybody loves to kind of load manage load management Russell Westbrook's got no interest in that and we see that on display every single night so truly unfortunate for Russell Westbrook and then even last night Russell Westbrook I mean just hitting the heartstrings last night because he's getting asked some questions about how it all went down he got kind of benched again in the clutch time um in the crunch time even though it wasn't really that close <laughs> I mean they were down like 10 trying to kind of like rubber band it down to like five but never really happened um but Russell Westbrook, last night, um, Russ on trying to cheer up AD and LeBron, he said, quote, I told them I wish I could help them, but I wasn't in the game to help them out. But that's not my call. And then another quote here, Westbrook on what he needs to do to earn crunch time minutes. He says, quote, I shouldn't have to hit any benchmarks, to be honest. I earn the right to be in closing lineups. And overall, he does have kind of, you know, superstar status. We do see some. Some unfortunate shots taken by him that look very, very clumsy and not good. But what did we just see? What was it, four games ago? How y'all forget? Russell Westbrook, AD, the lob to take the lead with 16 seconds left. Once again, they didn't win that game. But crunch time, Russell Westbrook making a smart play. And nobody gives him any credit for that. So once again, nobody nobody truly discusses Russell Westbrook in any fair way. And then that just kind of gets exactly exacerbated in social media and we know teams always kind of you know uh, I, 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 I want to say always but I would say sometimes are kind of pressured and influenced by their fans and what the social kind of uh, uh, social temperature on some issues are and now we're getting a report that you know once again the report that we just read that sources indicate that the Lakers have no longer no longer believe that they can win at a high level with Westbrook alongside James and Davis we get LeBron James losing a game right before for the trade deadline is this a little engineered by LeBron James stroking these kind of social media get rid of we Russell Westbrook fires here so LeBron James uh, you know has a better chance himself of winning a ring we know that's what he loves to do folks we know he's ring chasing legacy wise compared to Michael Jordan and uh, he knows he needs at least probably two more to truly uh, be kind of like a no debate of he's greater than Michael Jordan. So, uh, you know, this is going to be an interesting next day and a half, folks. Two days, however you want to slice it here at the trade deadline. But uh, watch for the Lakers to make a move involving Russell Westbrook, and we'll see what they get in return. But once again, the big trade from last night, the Pacers and the Kings. Pacers get rid of Sabonis, Jeremy Lamb, and Justin Holiday in exchange for Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Tristan Thompson. So, um, it's hard to say who won this trade because none of these teams got better they traded their best players for best players on other teams that have proven that they could not get it done on that team that they started with so what are we doing here so once again just potentially setting up some chess moves here to see if these teams are going to go for a more high profile player now that they've got a couple of different players to trade I just don't understand it folks but maybe it'll be made a little bit clear to us today or tomorrow all right, that is all the news that we have. Oh, no, one last thing right here quickly. Bradley Beal plans to have season-ending surgery on his left wrist. So now Washington, we know they've already been trash without him. They were kind of, you know 
trending downward with them. You know, remember they were the one seed in the Eastern Conference like three weeks into the season. Now I don't even think they're in the top 10. Uh, but Bradley Beal going to be out for the rest of the season. Kyle Kuzma can't carry that team by himself. So this Washington team is doomed for the rest of the year. Truly unfortunate. Unless they make a wild trade at the trade deadline, which I don't know if they've got any pieces to really trade. Uh, I, I, I would try to get Montrez Harrell on my team. However, I could do that. Nice bench big. But other than that, no thank you. All right, now those were all the stories we just needed to touch upon quickly. So now we can start breaking down the NBA games from yesterday. And, uh, you know, we hit our official picks. Bingo, bango. We had two of them, folks. We are 5-5, five 5-4-5, and five, uh, five, five, I should say, uh, over the last two days in our picks. And that's exactly where we want to be. You know, we're at a benchmark point of the season, heading into the All-Star break, kind of, you know, trending towards the back end of the season, folks. We, you know, have taken the entire season trying to kind of figure out and navigate the landscape of the NBA. And here we are, folks, five for five. We have our finger on the pulse right at the right time, folks. And we're not going to take our finger off that pulse. No, thank you. We will be feeling this pulse for the rest of the season. We now know. Um, all right. And uh, I do want to kind of admit one thing here, folks, and I'm going to get personal, and I hope I don't get judged out here. I want this to be a safe space for for people like me that think like me, folks. So I'm going to admit something very personal. So please do not judge me in any way. This is a free, open, safe space here at Takes by Fans. Okay, folks? So here, here it is, folks. Are you all ready? My name is Nick, and I am afraid of swallowing big spreads in the NBA. Okay, folks, I have a fear of that backdoor cover. I have a fear of giant spreads that I know great teams have, like a Hawks minus 13 or a Bucks minus 15. I know those teams are good, but I'm just scared. I can't bring myself to hit that bet button when those big spreads arrive, folks. And man, oh man, we had blowout wins after blowout wins after blowout wins last night folks we missed so much more value well, like we said we already cashed it in our value that we had Bucks being minus only three and a half, folks. We knew that was absolutely disrespectful. This Lakers team isn't good. They've got LeBron James, okay? Um, but this Bucks team, they've been on a tear, and we called that one right. That's a smaller spread that we felt very comfortable with. We thought it was a little disrespectful value. And then we had the Timberwolves minus five, and that one ballooned all the way up to minus seven, uh, maybe even seven and a half at game time, but we locked it in at minus five. And once again, that hit, and they even kind of blew them out big time. But every other game from the minus 8 spread to the minus 13 spread last night, all of them covered, folks. So we missed even better value because we have a little fear of the big spread. So this is what we're going to do, folks. We have to overcome our fear. We must look our fear right in its face and be like, you have no power over us. We will be able to cash in on big spreads. Okay, folks? So we are all going to face our fears here for the next Next week, we're going to do it on a week basis here, folks. We will bet a big spread every day. Uh, what is today? Wednesday? From this Wednesday, February 9th to next Wednesday, February 16th. We will bet one big spread at minimum. 
probably the only one, uh, because we are going to take it a little bit slow here. We can't just kind of truly jump into the fire of facing our fears. we got to take a little bit of, you know, step by step here. For, so for every day here, for the next week, we will be taking a big spread, nine or more points swallowing. Obviously, we're going to do it smartly, folks. Uh, you know, if there's more than one big spread on the table, we're just going to find the best value that we can. Still going to be looking for that value as well, but we will select at least one big spread every day for the week to overcome our fears. I know we can do it, folks. I know we can do it, and we've got to overcome our fears. So that's what we're doing for the next week, folks, swallowing one big spread every single night. All right, and why we're doing that, folks, is because of all these games last night. Jeez Louise. So here we go. Let's start breaking down the NBA from last night. Uh, first game up is the Pacers at the Hawks. We know the Hawks are absolutely good. Let me bring up the final closing spread here. Final spread was Hawks minus 13, and they had no problem covering that. They win by 21. They get the win 133-112 to 112 over the Pacers. For the Hawks, Trey Young, 34 points, 11 assists. John Collins, 20 points. Clint Capella only took four shots last night, so six points, but those 12 rebounds, we love it. And then Kevin Herter, a solid 12 points, four assists, four rebounds, helping out the starters. Coming off the bench, we get Bogdan Bogdanovich again, and it seems like this is going to be what they're going to be rocking with. Bogdan Bogdanovich coming off the bench. And we saw him in the starting lineup all season last season. And we loved it. And we saw him in the starting lineup here early part of the season. But they're moving him back to, or they're moving him down to the bench here. And they're still getting good production by him. 13 points on three of six from the three. And then Oniko Okongwu with 14 points, three rebounds also off the bench. So everybody was getting it done for the Hawks last night. Where the Pacers, we know they're not good. Uh, we get uh, Goga Batazzi at the 5, 14 points, 2 assists, 2 rebounds, filling in for Sabonis. Uh, we had Torrey Craig only putting up 7 points. Chris Duarte, a solid 25 points. He led the team in scoring. And Lance Stevenson in the starting lineup at the 2. 24 points, 8 assists, 9 rebounds. That was probably the best performance overall. But uh, once again, there's just no superstar on this Pacers team, and they cannot outclass the Hawks. So Hawks get the win. They cover the 13. They cover the big spread. We should have took it last night, but we are going to be moving forward, folks. We're going to be facing our fears. All right, next game up, one, and this one is haunting me, folks. So, first of all, we have to give the Celtics way, uh, well, credit. I don't know about way more credit. We still have to take it into context. They blew out the Nets with no Durant, with no Harden, with no Kyrie Irving. But I have to give a lot more respect to Marcus Smart. The Celtics team is truly looking like the Celtics of kind of last season. Uh, you know, always kind of solid, above average, competitive against really good teams. Just couldn't really kind of bring it home for the most part but they're starting to kind of look like you know the a recognizable Celtics team because the first like three weeks of the season folks four weeks of the season first month of the season I mean this Celtics team was I didn't even know what the hell I was watching this is nothing I've seen over the last five seven years so um Celtics they get the win they cover the spread here let's get the final closing odds 
Celtics minus nine and a half here in the easy peasy win by 35, folks. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Nets are so absolutely trash without any of the big three. And uh, let's start here with the Celtics. Uh, Marcus Mark getting it done. 22 points, three assists, shooting uh, 50% on 16 shots and also shooting six of 13 from the three. We get Jalen Brown doing his thing. 22 points, nine assists, seven rebounds. Robert Williams had a great night because there was no bigs down low for the Nets last night. So Robert Williams, 12 points, 11 rebounds. And then Jason Tatum, always consistent as usual, usual 19 points, 4 assists, 5 rebounds. And even Dennis Schroeder coming off the bench, 11 points, 4 rebounds. We will take that as well. So love what we've been getting from Marcus Smart over the last couple of 3 to 5 games here. So we're going to be believing in the Celtics team a little bit more moving forward. <clears throat> And then for the Nets last night, just absolutely trash. And Patty Mills, what the hell was this? Five points, three assists, two rebounds. What are you doing? You've got to be the number one. You're the number four with the big three. Um, and when all the big three are out, you're the one that needs to step up. And we got absolutely nothing from this man last night. Shot 25% on eight shots. Come on. So nobody in the starting lineup did anything good. The leading score for the starting lineup was Blake Griffin and DeAndre Bembry, both scoring six points is that going to get it done of course not <clears throat> they played a lot of their bench because the starters weren't getting it done and they were getting blown out so there was no no reason to be competitive let's see what you got Cam Thomas off the bench, 17 points. James Johnson off the bench, 17 points. Javon Carter, 21 points. And David Duke Jr. with 13 points. But no Harden, no Kyrie, no Nick Claxton. Just absolute dumpster garbage on the floor for the Nets last night. And that's what we got. Celtics, they win by 35. They cover the spread, no problem. They win 126-91. to Alrighty, next game up here, Clippers at the Grizzlies, and we have to kind of take a little bit of a step back here with this Clippers team. We thought they were going to start turning the corner, but I mean, they just really turned the other way. They they peeked around the corner, didn't like what they saw, and then did a little bit of a 180 and turned back around. They're like, yeah, that oh, past that corner, there's nothing from there's nothing for us past that corner. We are good behind the corner. So taking a little bit of a step back on this Clippers team, truly unfortunate, but the Grizzlies. Grizzlies absolutely blow them out, winning 135 to 109, and the spread was only Grizzlies minus eight, and they win. What is this quick math? Quickly, 126 points right there, win by this Grizzlies team, and we were afraid to swallow points last night. Do you understand what we're saying now, folks? Jeez. For the Grizzlies, we get John Moran, 30 points, 5 assists, 7 rebounds. Jaron Jackson Jr., 26 points, 11 rebounds. Zaire Williams, 10 points. And then off the bench, look at this great production, folks. We get... Kyle Anderson, 11 points, 8 rebounds. John Kotcher, 10 points, 5 rebounds. And Brandon Clark, 18 points, 4 assists, 7 rebounds in only 23 minutes. Man, man, everybody was on fire for the Grizzlies last night. And then for the Clippers, Norman Powell. This is their starting lineup after their trade. We get Reggie Jackson at the 1, Norman Powell at the 2, Nicholas Batum at the 3, Marcus Morris at the 4, and Zubak at the 5. So uh, Norman Powell really the only big change there. Robert Covington still coming off the bench. He's not in the starting lineup as of yet, or we don't know if he will be. But Reggie Jackson, 12 points, 3 assists. Norman Powell, 16 points on 50% shooting overall. 
Um, and that was really it. Everybody else floundering for the starters. Off the bench, we got Isaiah Hartenstein, 19 points. He led the team in scoring. Robert Covington, 14.6 rebounds. And Terrence Mann with a solid 14 points, 7 assists, 6 rebounds. But, man, oh, man, the starters for the Clippers letting us down big time last night. And that's a huge reason why they ended up losing by big time 26 points. So, uh, the Grizzlies get the win, 135-109. to 109. Next game up, another spread that covers. We get Rockets at the Pelicans, and they win by 13 points. And this spread was, I want to say it closed at 7. This spread closed at minus 8.5. Still got it done. Pelicans get the win, 110-97 over the Rockets. For the Pelicans, Brandon Ingram, 26 points. Jackson Hayes still in the starting lineup, which we absolutely love. 14 points, 7 rebounds, and he was a plus 7, folks, in 35 minutes on the floor. He was the highest plus minus for the starters last night, including Valanchunas, including Brandon Ingram. This is great by Jackson Hayes, and I think he plays the 4. That's the position for him right there, the 4. You know, he doesn't need to be a main scorer, needs to have some defense there, and that's exactly what Jackson Hayes is. So we absolutely love Jackson Hayes still in the starting lineup here. We get Devontae Graham at the 1, 9 points, 8 assists. And then Herbert Jones, 10 points, 11 rebounds. Shout out to that man. Off the bench, Najee Marshall, 14 points, 2 steals, 2 assists, 3 rebounds. And Jose Alvarado, 12 points, 2 steals, 3 assists, 2 rebounds coming off the bench here, folks. So watch out for this Pelicans team, folks. They could be true competitors, playoff competitors out here as we approach the back end of the season, folks. The bettability of the Pelicans, I want to say it's gushing at like 80% right now. We absolutely love this Pelicans team. All right, and then for the Rockets, Christian Wood, 19 points, 9 rebounds, playing the 4. Kevin Porter Jr. led the team in scoring, 27 points, 5 assists. We had, who else did good in this game? Jalen Green, 12 points, 4 assists. All right, nothing great here. Once again, your best player's a big. That's not going to get it done, and that's exactly what happened last night. Did not get it done. So, Pelicans get the win, 110-97. They cover the spread, the big spread, all that. Man, oh, man, love that Pelicans team. All right, next game up here, Pistons at the Mavericks, and the Mavericks cover the big old spread. They get the win, 116-86. to 86. What is that, 30-point win here? And it was only Dallas minus 10.5. Damn, damn. Absolute blowout here. For the Mavericks, Luka Doncic, 33 points, 11 assists, 7 rebounds. Still no Porzingis, and they still blow out the Pistons. We know the Pistons are very not good. Jalen Brunson, 21 points, 4 assists. Dwight Powell at the 5, 10.7 rebounds. Dorian Finney-Smith, 11.7 rebounds. And Reggie Bullock, 12 points, 4 rebounds for the starters. And then off the bench, Trey Burke, 18 points in 21 minutes, 4 of 6 from the 3. Yes, sir. All right, now for the Pistons. We had Jeremy Grant had a, you know, Okay, game put up 15 points, not efficiently, one of six from the three. So still waiting on Jeremy Grant to kind of be that number one player for this Pistons team again. Uh, we had Hamadio Diallo, 18 points. He led the team in scoring with that, and that was really it for the Pistons. So we're still kind of hearing Jeremy Grant's name and some trade rumors, so we'll see if they kind of pull the trigger on him. But the Pistons, they're not going anywhere, so we'll see what they do. But Mavericks get the win, 116-86. to 86.
Alrighty, and then again here, and folks, 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 our fear of swallowing big spreads made us ignore our sponsor last night, the New York Knicks, and that bit us in the butt, folks. We have to, and that's why our, they are our sponsor, because big spread, small spread, it doesn't matter. They will always lose. They will always come up short here, folks. So, I mean, our fear, our fear was hindering that check from our sponsor. We can't be having that. See, our our fear is ruining our financial wealth out here, and that affects our mental health, okay? I'm about to go crazy in here, okay? So, man, oh, man, we are truly facing our fears this week, folks, okay? We have to. There, there's no other option. We must face our fears and get over them. So, the Knicks, our sponsors, they lose and don't cover the spread. The Nuggets get the win, 132 to 115. Man, oh, man, this, it's just so classic. It's classic Knicks, folks, okay? Man, oh, man, they can't, cl they can't close out games, folks. This Knicks team is so bad. Uh, but the final spread was Nuggets minus 8.5, and, and they win by 17, no problem. So, the Nuggets get the win, 132 to 115. For the Nuggets last night, joking, 21 points, 7 assists, 11 rebounds. Aaron Gordon, 19 points, 4 assists, 8 rebounds. Exactly where we want to see Aaron Gordon. We want him in 20-plus, but I'll take 19. 19, 20, same thing. So, Aaron Gordon, yes, yes, yes. And then Will Barton coming out of nowhere. 20 points, 5 assists, 7 rebounds. This bench, oh my gosh, this bench. Zeke Naji, 11.7 rebounds. Bones Highland, 22.6 rebounds. This man's been pretty solid here the last couple of games. So shout out to this man. Bryn Forbes only taking six shots, six points. Okay. Uh, you, usually we're shouting out Bryn Forbes coming off the bench. But then we can also shout out Jermichael Green, 20 big old points coming off the bench. You see what happens when you face the Knicks? Everybody gets to eat. One, two, three, four, five, 20 point performances. And I'm counting Aaron Gordon in that 20-point performance, even with 19 points. I don't care, folks. Well done for the Pelicans. And then for the Knicks last night, Evan Fournier, he put up 21 points. He shot 50%. He shot 4 of 10 from the 3. Does it matter? Of course not. It doesn't matter if Evan Fournier has a good game or a bad game. They still lose at the end. And Evan Fournier brings nothing to the table here for this Knicks team, honestly. Kemba Walker is still in the starting lineup, and we still don't understand why. It's only because Derrick Rose is still out, but man, oh man, this Knicks team, get rid of Kemba Walker. He does not bring anything. He had two points. He did have eight assists, so finally... Truly being a guard out here facilitating the floor, but still two points shooting 16% We can't be having that you got to be efficient I don't care if you you only put up two points But you should only be taking one or two shots if you're doing that man took six shots Julius Randle another good game out here 28 points 10 rebounds six assists But once again, it does not result in two wins out here so nothing great by this Knicks team overall. They put up 115 points, which may be their highest point total of the season. And it's just unfortunate. The Nuggets were like, well, I see you're 115, and I raise you 132. And the Knicks were like, uh, we don't have enough scoring to check that. Uh, we've got to fold, and we lose the game. Lose the game. Don't cover the spread. Our sponsors, folks. Thank you, Knicks.
All right, next game up here in this spread, we got right. Bingo, bango. Not a big spread, but it was a spread. So, Bucks get the win, 131 to 116. A nice 15-point win here for this Bucks team, and we officially endorsed it, minus three and a half. Yes, we knew that was good value, folks. Come on. And uh, this Bucks train, folks, this Bucks wave, putting up 137 points, 137 points, 131 points over the last three games, folks. We are riding this wave. If cryptocurrency has taught us nothing, folks, there's one thing it did, it did teach us, which is, hey, if you get in early, you could make a little bit of money. And that's exactly what we're doing with this Bucks team. We're getting in on the ground floor. We just had their big offensive explosion three games ago. We're still in on the ground floor here. This Bucks team, they've got it rolling. They've got it all figured out. Everybody's basically healthy, still missing. Uh, Brooke Lopez, but uh, you know we know Bobby Portis is a perfect fill-in. Losing a little bit of uh, big depth, that's really their biggest flounder at the current moment, but overall their offense is just getting it done, so they don't need any defense, any paint defense, anything like that. Um, so <clears throat> the offense ability here for this Bucks is truly off the charts, and we will be continuing to cash in on this wave until it crashes. So, Giannis last night, 44 points, 8, eight assists, 14 rebounds. Chris Middleton doing classic Chris Middleton things here. 21 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists. We get Bobby Portis, 23.7 rebounds, 5 of 9 from 3. Sheesh. Sheesh. And even Giannis went 2 of 2 from 3 last night. What is going? What the hell is happening here? Giannis is hitting his free throws. Giannis is hitting his threes, folks. I mean, this is truly the end of the world. We should all be kind of a little worried that the world is currently ending on how well Giannis is playing from the perimeter. Jeez Louise. We get Grayson Allen, 12 points. Drew Holiday, 15 points, 10 assists, 7 rebounds. Yes, sir. We need the bench to be a little bit better, just a little bit more explosive. We still had Pat Connaughton with 8 points and Dante DiVincenzo with 8 points, which is good. But that's where their, their downfall will be if we do see it. It is going to be their bench and definitely need Brooke Lopez back. So uh, Bobby Portis, unfortunately, would probably go back down to the bench here, but Hopefully, we can still get some nice offensive production by him if he does go down to the bench. But uh, the depth ability there for the Bucks will be their downfall if we do see one. All right, and then for the Lakers last night, we had LeBron James, 27 points, 8 assists, 5 rebounds, classic LeBron game. Anthony Davis, 22 points, 9 rebounds. Malik Monk, 20 points, 5 assists, 3 rebounds. He shot 3 of 10 from the 3. And then Russell Westbrook with uh, 10 points on 27% shooting. Nothing that great. Five assists, 10 rebounds, four turnovers, a minus 16 on the floor. LeBron was a minus 25, you know, so I didn't see LeBron getting benched in crunch time and all that. But uh, Russell Westbrook seems like he's probably going to be getting pushed out of this team. Unfortunate to him, and we'll see where he goes. Shout out to this Lakers bench. Some solid performances real quick. Austin Reeves, 10 points. And Stanley Johnson, 16.6 rebounds. Both coming off the bench. So, solid there. But missing that kind of extra oomph for this Lakers team. And uh, LeBron put it best after this game. He's just said currently, basically, no, we can't compete with this Bucks team. We don't We don't have it in our team to compete with this kind of better uh, team. And that's exactly what it is. So, Bucks get the win 131-116. to 116. And we'll see what the Lakers do in the next day and a half.
Alright, next game up here, and uh, this wasn't even a big spread, and we told y'all we were kind of liking the magic, but they, you know, bit us in the butt, you know, a little bit too many times over the last two, three games out here, but they ended up getting it done in nice dominating fashion. They get the win 113-95. to 95. It was like magic only minus one, two, solid value there, absolutely. Uh, so for the Magic, can they kind of re-pull us in? They faced the Blazers coming off of a trade. So the, it was basically only Anthony Simons and Nurchich out there. So, uh, you know, with the kind of overall tone of the locker room, seeing all of your kind of good pieces get traded and all that, we knew the Blazers would probably come out a little bit flat overall. And, and that's exactly what we saw, only putting up 95 points. But for the Magic, can they can we rebuy into them? Let's quickly see. We get Cole Anthony, 23 points, 9 assists, 7 rebounds. Yes, this is the classic Cole Anthony that we saw in the beginning of the season, the first month of the season. We're glad to have him back, and hopefully it does continue to be back. We get Franz Wagner, 13 points, 7 assists, 9 rebounds. Wendell Carter, 18 points, 5 assists, 9 rebounds. Mo Bamba at the 5, 13 points, 9 rebounds. We'll take all of that. And then coming off the bench, we get Gary Harris, 15 points, and Chuma Okiki, 18 points, 5 rebounds. And are y'all telling me they didn't even play Moritz Wagner last night? What the hell is that? This is a perfect game to play Moritz Wagner. When you're dominating, when you're absolutely beating that ass, damn. All right, a little unfortunate we don't get the Wagner twins last night. And then for the uh, Blazers, we had Anthony Simons, 19 points, 5 assists, 5 rebounds. Not a bad game by him. Uh, Nurchich, 14 points, 11 rebounds. We had Ben McLemore filling in at the 2 for CJ McCollum, who's no longer there. 13 points, 2 assists, 2 rebounds. And Justice Winslow, 12 points, 7 rebounds. And CJ Alibi, 11 points, 9 rebounds. All solid there. Greg Brown coming off the bench. Solid 15 points, 8 rebounds in 18 minutes. We'll take that. But no number one score anymore. So now Anthony Simons is going to have to kind of increase his overall offensive load a little bit more. Maybe kind of focus with their down low game. Let Nurchich kind of be one of these dominant bigs that are putting up 20 plus points a game. So we'll see how this Blazers team kind of changes their overall offense to try to be competitive missing you know Norman Powell and CJ McCollum now but uh, they couldn't even beat the Magic last night losing 113 to 95 all right, next game up here is the Timberwolves at the Kings, and we took this game, and we took it at uh, Timberwolves minus 5, and like I said, I believe it ballooned all the way up to Timberwolves minus 7, and no problem however you slice it, because they win by 20 points, 134 to 114, the big 3 for the Timberwolves last night, Anthony Edwards, only 5 points, what the heck, and we're still able to win by 20 points, we're loving what we're seeing from this Timberwolves team, Anthony Edwards has truly kind of floundered over all the last 3-4 games offensively, um, and this Timberwolves team is able to pick up the slack with their bench and role players. So we are trending big time towards this Timberwolves team. We absolutely love it. Carl Anthony Towns doing his thing, 25 points, 9 rebounds. D'Angelo Russell, 14 points, 1 of 7 from 3. Definitely could be a little bit better there, but 7 assists. He led the second leading, uh, second leading assister from last night, so we'll take that. And then the kind of uh, role players here coming off the bench, Malik Beasley, 21 points on 63% shooting. Teron Prince, 11 points, 4 steals. Jordan McLaughlin, 11 points, 11 assists. And even Naz Reed, 12 points, 4 rebounds. So, yes, sir, scoring coming from everybody last night besides Anthony Edwards. But overall, that's a big old green flag for us. We'll take it. And then for the Kings, De'Aaron Fox finally back, 29 points, 6 assists, 7 rebounds, wonderful. Davian Mitchell still in the starting lineup, only 8 points, shooting 27%, so, you know, he flounders when 
De'Aaron Fox is out there. We don't really love seeing that. Got to be able to kind of coexist on this team. Uh, but we'll see if they trade any of these players. We know they traded a kind of uh, Buddy Heald, but we'll see if they trade anybody else here. Um, so Davian Mitchell floundered last night. Unfortunately, Harrison Barnes had a solid night of 21 points. And other than that, nothing great. Damian Jones, we can shout him out at the five, 18 points, five assists, six rebounds. But Kings just could not keep up with the offensive outbreak of the Timberwolves in the Timberwolves get the win 134 to 114. And then the final game of the night that wasn't a blowout. This was the only non blowout of the game here. Suns at the 76ers and it was only Suns uh, minus one. And they win by five points here, able to close it out down late. And that's kind of where the 76ers are. Uh, that's probably their knock, not being able to close out games. Um, and we saw that last night, unfortunate. Close game all throughout. They had the lead going into halftime, the 76ers did. But the Suns, man, they know how to close out games. They got some great defensive leaders out here on the floor. And they were just clamping up at the end of the game. So for the Suns, Chris Paul, 16 points, 12 assists. Classic Chris Paul game. Devin Booker, 35 big old points. DeAndre Ayton down low, 10.6 rebounds. Jay Crowder, no points on six shots, 0-5 from the three but the man had 14 rebounds we'll take that and then shout out to McCall Bridges being that great offensive score that you know kind of needs to be on this team 23 points we know Chris Paul can score 20 plus we know DeAndre Ayn can score 20 plus here but it's just better when Chris Paul's the facilitator when DeAndre Ayn's just clogging up the paint so having Devin Booker you know green lighting shots from everywhere having McCall Bridges you know stretch the floor as well you gotta love it and then Man, oh man, JaVale McGee, folks. Can we give this man the mother-loving credit he deserves? 17 minutes coming off the bench, 15 points, 12 rebounds against this 76ers team. That's truly impressive. We Now let's talk about the 76ers team quickly. We get Joel Embiid, 34 points, 12 rebounds. Didn't love his shot selection down late in the fourth quarter. I think that kind of played into their loss a little bit. Tobias Harris had a magnificent night, 30.7 rebounds on 72% shooting. Tyrese Maxey, 14 points on 31% shooting. Definitely got to get a little bit more consistent there, especially only putting up four assists last night. Ugh. Ugh. I can excuse the 14 points if we have like eight, nine, 10 plus assists. Uh, but a little bit light in that department. He did have six rebounds, but nothing really great off the bench. Leading score was Georges Nyang, eight points, shooting 42% off the bench there. So, a little bit of downfalls here for the 76ers. Poor shot selection. No great depth of their bench here. And it haunts them late in the game. And they lose to the best team in the league, the Phoenix Suns. They lose 114 to 109. Alrighty, that is all the NBA from last night, folks. Now let's quickly see what we've got on tap tonight in the league. And let's see where the big spreads are, folks. Yes, because we are facing our fears. We are locking in a big spread. Nine or more points is what we classify as a big spread here. So um, let's uh, talk through these games. Let's see, folks. We are five for five in the last two days, folks, and we're ready to kind of keep this winning streak going. So uh, once again, we've got the finger on the pulse. We know how to read the NBA. We know it's good value. We know it's not good value. And we're ready to kind of keep up this uh, great streak that we're on and never, ever look back. We are to the moon, folks, to the moon. Alrighty, here we go. First game up, we got the Spurs at the Cavs. Spurs plus six, Cavs minus six. 
Uh, for the Spurs, we get Lonnie Walker and Trey Jones, both game-time decisions. Where for the Cavs, we get Karis LeVert, a game-time decision. Does he make his debut tonight? Let's quickly see. Is NBA Fantasy Labs, do they know already? Let's quickly take a look. Any new information? Lonnie Walker is going to play. So we just told you game-time decision, but one minute ago, ooh, NBA C, everybody's got it together here. We're exiting the NFL season, unfortunately, where, you know, at the trade deadline of the NBA when, you know, that's really when you should be watching the NBA, folks. I mean, I don't really care. Week one, two, first two months. It's like, all right, we're playing 82 games here. Okay, I don't really care. But uh, now that we're getting truly into the thick of it here, we've got our finger on the pulse. We're ready to face our fears. NBA Fantasy Labs back-to-back -back days giving us great, useful information. you got to respect it. Woof, love it. Uh, but that is all. We don't really have anything on Karis LeVert. Does not seem like. We'll scroll back a little bit more. And we don't see anything here on Karis LeVert. So, potentially making his debut here for the Cavs. And we love this Cavs team. Uh, and Darius Garland, also a game time decision here. So, really need both of these players to play. And I'm going to go on a limb here. And I'm going to say they are going to play. And we are going to swallow the six here for the Cavs. I mean, the energy should be rocking and roaring. Getting Darius Garland back would be absolutely big. Getting Karis LeVert, you know, acclimated as soon as possible to this team would be absolutely big and we know the Spurs team has nothing great so I'm going to lock in the value here with the Cavs minus 6 assume they play and hopefully uh, because I do believe if uh, these statuses do get officially announced that this spread will climb probably two, two and a half plus points so going to lock in some better value here at Cavs minus 6 and uh, cross my fingers that they play but I am going to say that they play Darius Garland being the game time decision uh, you know looking to come back uh, big day for Karis LeVert yeah let's get this uh new look and not even a, yeah, a little bit of new look Cavs back absolutely Cavs minus six we're rocking with it all right then we get the Bulls at the Hornets Bulls minus two Hornets plus two. Oh my goodness oh my goodness Bulls minus two what do we have to tell you about this Hornets team they live and die by runs folks and we see them die 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 by those runs folks Knicks and the Hornets they live on runs folks that's not a consistent successful teams living on runs you don't see this Bulls team living on runs they can get buckets whenever they want they can get defensive stops whenever they want and we only have to swallow two here are there's got to be outs here for this Bulls team no there's got to be got to be what do we got we still get Alex Caruso out but we know he's going to be out for a while Derek Jones Jr. still is out we know he's going to be out for a while so the only big name out is AO so we're going to get Kobe White in the starting lineup, and we love that. So Bulls minus two. I think we're cleared for it. For the Hornets, Gordon Hayward is out. So once again, losing offensive pieces out here. Cody Martin out, Jalen McDaniels out, and we only have to swallow two here, folks. We're absolutely going to take that. Yes, Vucevic versus Mason Plumlee, and I only have to swallow two points. Getting Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan versus LaMelo Ball. <laughs> LaMelo Ball and Terry Rozier, that's your, that's your probably best scores now that Gordon Hayward's out? Come on, folks. Vegas, I don't know what they see in this Hornets team, truly. What do you 
see in this Hornets team that you're making them competitive spreads against good teams. We just took, we told y'all the best value of the season, Raptors minus one and a half against the Hornets three nights ago. What are we doing, Vegas? I mean, I appreciate it. We're going to cash in, but man, oh man, can we start respecting some teams out here? Bulls minus two is fantastic. The second greatest value of the entire year. Jeez, man. See, see, this is why, you know, we don't love to swallow the big spreads because we don't have to, you know, we don't, we're not going to do anything we don't have to do. And we already got two great games up here, but we are going to still uh, face our fears for the week and see how that turns out. Um, got to do that. Definitely got to do that. Let's see, do we even have any big spreads? Well, shouldn't have said anything because here we go, folks. First big spread of the night. Raptors at the Thunder. Raptors minus 10. Thunder plus 10. And y'all know I love this Raptors team. Give Pascal Siakam some MVP love, please. Um, and everybody's going to go for the Raptors, so they're at full strength. Wherefore, the Thunder, Shea Gillis-Alexander is still out. So, we're going to take the Raptors here. Minus 10 points. The starting lineup is fantastic. Nick Nurse is fantastic coach. And we know the Thunder team has no identity. We just had Lugans Dort a fantastic game. And we usually get kind of one of those once in a blue moon. So, no Shea Gillis-Alexander. Lugans Dort probably having a below average game. And just J Josh Giddy. <laughs> Josh Giddy. Did he buy his lonesome out here against uh, everybody of this Raptors team? The true Raptors, folks? Come on. Come on. They get it done. Raptors minus 10 is our facing our fear big spread pick of the night, folks. There it is. Raptors minus 10. Love it. All right, next game up here, we get the Warriors at the Jazz. Warriors plus two, Jazz minus two. Let's make sure everybody's good to go here. I'm ready to bet on this Warriors team, folks. What did we just say the other night, folks? The Jazz, they desperately need Rudy Gobert back, so they better hope he's back. But for the Warriors, what do we got? We get Draymond Green still out. Oh, Klay Thompson's out. Oh, staying away from this one. I need Klay Thompson to play. Absolutely. No, thank you. We're staying away from this game. And then for the Jazz, Rudy Gay, game time decision, and Rudy Gobert is still out. So, if Clay Thompson was playing, I'd take that plus two all day long. Absolutely. But I need Clay Thompson out there. I know Jordan Poole and Steph Curry can get it done. I'm not worried about that. But uh, I, I need a little extra there. I need a little extra there. Especially when we've already got three great picks. I'm even counting the Raptors minus 10 as a great pick, folks. Who are we today? We're taking big spreads and we're calling them great picks, folks. Facing our fears. Yes. Woof. I'm, I'm love it. I'm Nick. My name is Nick and I am confident in betting big spreads, folks. I'm ready to call it. It's been 30 minutes since we announced it. I'm ready to call it. I don't need the full week. I am ready. I'm over the fear. I'm ready to swallow points, baby. <laughs> baby. Woof. Uh, all right, so not taking Warriors in the Jazz. All right, next. next the hell is this game? What the absolute heck is this game, dude? The heck is this? Lakers at the Jazz or at Lakers at the Blazers? Lakers minus nine and a half. What are you absolutely smoking crack? Are you smoking crack, folks? That you would swallow nine and a half here for the Lakers? on the road against this Blazers team. And I know the Blazers aren't good, but man, oh man, what is the Lakers giving us? No, thank you. We're not swallowing this big spread. No, 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 no. We've already got our big spread, so we're not going to go get carried away in our big spreads. Let's tone it down a little bit. Uh, Bulls minus two, changing a little bit of value here. All right, still at Bulls minus two, just the overall odds changing, it seems. All right, but back to this Lakers at the Blazers. Why? Why? Now it's Lakers minus nine. Still not good value. Uh, for the Blazers, we get Eric Bledsoe, a game time decision, potentially making his start. 
Um, what else we got here? Josh Hart, game time decision, potentially making his start. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, potentially making his start. So, yeah, I'm interested to see how this Blazers team, you know, brings in their new players that they've got. But uh, definitely staying away from this game. Lakers on the back-to-back -back gives us the perfect excuse not to bet this game. And then the last game of the night here, once again, back-to-back. -back, we get the Timberwolves at the Kings. Both these teams on the back-to-back. -back, and no thank you. Timberwolves minus 9. Kings plus 9. So, Staying away from this one. So there it is, folks. We've got some great value again tonight. Cavs minus six, Bulls minus two, and the Raptors minus 10 in our facing our fear big spread of the night. Raptors minus 10. So loving the value. Wow, wow. This is great. Oof, man. Are we going to go eight for eight? Let me knock it one. I don't want to get too too wild out here, but we know what we're talking about. I'm confident in everything I'm saying, folks. Um, so, are we going to go three days in a row, hitting all of our picks, eight for eight officially, and facing our fears? Are we going to have a big old check mark day one of facing our fears, folks? I'm ready to hit it. Absolutely. Alrighty, folks. That is all the NBA we had to go over for today. Let me just quickly see. Is there any big trades happening? We got to truly stay a little bit on top of it. Quickly scroll here. James Harden is pushing for a trade and is screaming in every way he possibly can to get out of Brooklyn. So, man, oh, man. Looks like uh, James Harden is out. I would definitely trade him. We'll see if Steve Nash has some balls to be like, no, 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 you're not getting traded. You're staying here. So no official trade news, but once again, James Harden does not want to be in Brooklyn, any, uh, Brooklyn anymore. All right, that is all the NFL, uh, NBA, excuse me, that we had to go over for today. So now let's uh, shift gears to the NFL. Some stories I kind of want to talk about quickly. Some coaches, uh, you know, press conferences, uh, hear what they're saying, and then we'll try to get into our film study. Man, man, we have been going late on basketball. You see why we had to set a ten minutes, a ten minute alarm uh, during the NFL season when it was truly in the full swing of it, folks. It can get. I mean, we just spent fifty minutes on the NBA, which I've got no problem with. I, I've got no. I love talking the NBA, uh, but you know, we uh, still are and. In NFL season, we're gearing up for the Super Bowl, biggest game and all that. So hopefully we do get to these film studies today. I am truly interested. Uh, but uh, let's uh, run through some of these stories first. And here we go. The first one up, we're going to be hearing from Dennis Allen, the new Saints head coach here. Let's uh, read some quotes from him, see what he's, what he's saying, what uh, the direction of the Saints are going to kind of be moving in, and just first overall impressions of Dennis Allen as the head coach for the Saints that, uh, you know, we don't love, we don't hate it. I don't think it's the worst decision. Keeping it in-house is always great, um, you know, you know, the foundation's already there. People already respect you and all that. Well, hopefully they do respect them. Um, but, uh, yeah, I always support kind of keeping things in-house uh, when you're looking for a promotion. Absolutely. So here we go. Dennis Allen, let's read some quotes here. And let's get a nice idea of what this Saints team is going to potentially be looking like next season. So here we go. Let's read the, the lead up right here. Lead up to the first quote. We get uh, this. Dennis Allen has been in the Big Easy since 2015, working under Peyton first as defensive coordinator until he emerged as New Orleans Saints' choice in its head coach search. He's very familiar with how the Saints operate, and he's ready to put his stamp on the franchise while also relying on past experiences gained both in New Orleans and elsewhere. Saying, quote, 
I want to take the lessons that I've learned. I want to build upon those lessons, and I want to create my own legacy here with the New Orleans Saints. I know this is a job that you have to do with your own personality, and that's the way I plan on attacking it. So, yeah, absolutely love seeing that. You know, you know, stepping in and kind of filling in for some big shoes is never easy, but copying those big shoes, that's never the right way to go to try and act like Sean Payton, to be like, oh, well, I'm going to just be like Sean Payton. No, 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 no. The, the, nobody's going to buy that. The fans are going to be like, what are you doing here? Like, yes, we know we love Sean Payton, but we love Sean because he's Sean. Dennis Allen, you, there's no S. Oh, there's one S. You know, you got no Sean in your name. What are you doing out here? So love that Dennis Allen's going to bring his own stamp to it. We had, you know, Sean Payton offensive mind with Drew Brees. Big offense, 5,000-yard passing seasons almost every single year. Great offense, always productive offense. Uh, you know, you could always believe and rely on the offense. It was never a question about the Saints' offense heading into the game. Oh, you know, uh, I don't know. Are the Saints going to be able to put up 20 points? Is that a safe bet? Of course it is. They're going to get it done offensively for the most part. Um, and then, you know, now Dennis Allen, defensive guy here. So we'll see if the overall tone shifts a little bit more defensively defensively here to the Saints, which I don't love. Y'all know how we feel about that, folks, and we we still got an open mind on it, folks, and that's why we talk about these coaches every single day, whether they're offense or defense, and just seeing what their kind of mindset, their mentality, what they're saying is. And obviously, we'll keep big tracks of the newly acquired head coaches on what their teams do this season to truly get a gauge on, do you, you know, are head coaches offensively good right out of the gate? Do they take a little bit? Defensive guys and all that. So, you know, we're always kind of utilizing every piece of information to gauge and judge our own opinions and narratives here on the show, which we always do. But yeah, I love hearing this from Dennis Allen. Uh, you know, put your own stamp on it. Don't try to copy anybody. Um, and, you know, we know the Saints defense has been pretty solid since 2015. So. Uh, besides that Minneapolis miracle, like Dennis Allen, where were you there? Uh, coaching your rookie cornerback to not not blow the game? Can you do that, please? Jeez. Um, all right, here we go. We got another quote here. Let's read the lead up. New Orleans has made a bit out of restructuring deals by often adding void years to contracts in order to spread out the cap hit over multiple years. It's allowed the Saints to remain competitive while also squeezing the most out of the salary cap and should be anticipated again in 2022. Though there exists a significant difference at the game's most important position, quarterback. Dennis Allen says, quote, I think it's the most important decision that you make. And so that's going to be the one of the first things that we do is we get together a, as a staff, as an organization, and evaluate that position. Ooh, I love that. Yes, yes. We know the quarterback has to be the right decision. Absolutely. And the fact that he's going to be bringing in the entire staff, get their opinions, talk it all through, evaluate the position. Love hearing that. Taking input from everybody, not just being like, well, I'm the head coach. It's my decision. Yeah, I, I hear y'all, but overall, I'm not going to really kind of uh, look too much into what y'all are saying because I've already got my guy, my idea, my way. So love hearing this from Dennis Allen. And we get one more quote here. So let's uh, read this last lead up right here and truly see. Can he go three for three? First two quotes. Loved everything about it. Let's see if he can uh, truly bring it home with quote number three. So here we go. The lead up. Even with the cap situation considered, Allen isn't about to shake things up when it comes to how the Saints construct their roster. The status quo is just fine for him, even if it means a couple of key players might end up departing for the financial good of the franchise. Potentially Alvin Kamara. I truly don't see Alvin Kamara being a part of the Saints 
team. Never seemed like he wanted to be here um, ever since, you know, the quarterback went down and not having Drew Brees. Um, so we never really saw Alvin Kamara kind of go above and beyond leadership mode or just kind of even running on the field. Never looked great. And then we get him in Las Vegas beating up that guy very severely. If you didn't see the picture already, folks, you got to see that picture. It's crazy. Um, so, you know, expect Alvin Kamara, a true rebuild offensively here, a true reset offensively for Dennis Allen. But he says, quote, it's been working. What's not broke, let's not try to fix it. There may be some things with how we go about doing things, but I don't think from a fundamental philosophy standpoint, I don't really see that changing. So still keeping some ground fundamentals here from Sean Payton and how they did things. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, I would expect no Michael Thomas, and I would expect no Alvin Kamara. And, uh, you know, this is going to be Dennis Allen, defensive guy with a fresh slate offense. Offensively, he's making the calls. He's making the decisions here. And, you know, we know offense is hugely important. Look who's in the Super Bowl. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, OBJ. I mean, come on. So, uh, that's Dennis Allen for you. Saints fans, are you excited? Uh, it's solid, solid excitement, solid, decent, good hire. You know, not looking at a total rebuild at all, anything like that. So, you know, some, uh, you know, it's going to be a tough transition. You know, losing a GOAT, you know, for the Patriots, losing Tom Brady. I mean, you're never going to be able to match that. You're not going to be able to get Tom Brady back or really anything regarding that. Same thing probably with the Saints. You're never going to be able to get to replicate, you know, that Drew Brees, Sean Payton, head coach, quarterback. So, it is going to feel different and it may not feel great, but I think there is some things to celebrate here if you're a Saints fan. You know, Dennis Allen, respected. They wouldn't have hired him as a head coach if he wasn't respected. I'm sure Sean Payton gave his kind of, you know, um, uh, what, what do they call it? Uh, they uh, He gave his blessing. Hey, you know, hey, uh, you know, Sean Payton leaving, he was like, hey, you know, owner of the Saints, I don't know his name, but hey, owner of the Saints, hey, you know, Dennis Allen, wink, wink, Dennis Allen, he's a good guy, wink. Wink, I'm winking. Sean Payton, hey, Dennis Allen, that's a pretty good guy. He's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, wink, wink. I'm sure he had a little bit of say. Uh, not 100% say, but a little bit of a recommendation, a little bit of a... Uh a bit of a recommendation there, a little wink, a little wink, a little unspoken handshake, yeah, wink, Dennis Allen wink, that's probably what he said, he said Dennis Allen wink and left the stadium forever, all right, um, so, but he's not the only coach that was talking the other day, this one wasn't a formal press conference or anything like that, but this was Mike McDaniel on the phone with Tua, Heading to Miami to kind of meet the owners and kind of get everything kicked off. Uh, he was on the phone with Tua. So we have some quotes with him and Tua. And this is what we absolutely love. Full believability and confidence in Tua 100%. No, you know, yeah, he's our guy for now. And yeah, you know, Tua's our guy. He's our guy. No, no, no. It's firm believability in Tua. Excitement on Tua. Encouragement for Tua. And setting the bar immediately. I love everything everything about it folks Mike McDaniel you've got to I mean we'll, we'll see obviously you've got to get it done on the field but everything that we've seen from this man and heard from this man so far we are absolutely loving it the innovation the genius offensive mind and then just treating everybody respectful as heck, getting everybody's input, just seeming like a good guy to be around, folks. So, 
here we go. We get some uh, quotes here. We don't have to read any lead-ups because these are all just coming from a FaceTime call on the private jet with Tua on his way to Miami to get everything truly kicked off. So here we go. This is what Mike McDaniel's was saying when he called him. He said, "Quote: We're going to have extensive. We're going to have an extensive professional relationship, my man. One thing I know about you is you have the ambition to be great. My job is to coach you and get all that greatness out of you." And that's exactly it. I think some people get kind of confused on what a coach should be doing. The players are the talent, folks. The players win or lose you the game. It, it should never be the coach being so garbage and dumb at his job that he's single-handedly holding the team back and losing games for the team. It should be the players single-handedly deciding whether they win or they lose because they are the ones on the field actually doing it all. They're doing the playing. They're doing the throws. They're doing the runs. They're doing the defensive stops. The Bengals defense are the ones locking it up in the red zone and why they will win in the Super Bowl. But, um, you know, it, getting the most out of your players, making the players their, their best selves on the field, that is the job of the coach. The job of the coach is not to be, hey, it's all me. I'm the credit here. I am the credit. I deserve all the credit and rec recognition. I will be the reason why we win. That's not what a coach is. Let me let me get up the, fur the actual definition of a coach. What is a coach definition, folks? Here it is. Definition, coach. Uh, a horse-drawn carriage, especially a closed one. Exactly. That's what Mike McDaniels is, folks. A horse-drawn carriage, especially a closed one. That's what coaches should be doing out here, okay? All right, coach. Here we go. Can we get another de definition, please? Um, what it means to be a coach. A coach is someone who trains a person or team of people in a particular sport. A coach is someone who gives people special teaching in a particular subject, especially in order to prepare them for an examination. A coach, folks, a coach, a person who trains people or a team, training, getting them ready, getting everything out of them. They're not the ones on the field. Love that from Mike McDaniels right off the rip. Setting the tone, hey, we're going to have an extensive professional relationship, my man. Little Smurfy in there. You know, it, it doesn't all have to be, you know, Bill Belichick, you know, dark and, you know, serious 100%. Yes, it has to be serious and all that. You have to earn the respect, but... You know, you, you don't want to kind of be, you know, uh, no fun everywhere. And, you know, that's the big conversation. You know, is there fun in sports and all that? Yes, fun is winning, and that's truly it. But, you know, not just kind of, uh, not just being in an atmosphere where, you know, if one thing goes wrong, it could set off the entire thing. You don't want that. You know, just think about, like, literally, I, I feel like people don't, like, draw from their own experiences, folks. It's not that much different. Yes, their job is out on a field in sunlight, but your job, it's kind of the same way. It's a team overall. You have a boss who's supposed to be a coach. You're the employees. You're the players. Do you want to be in an office where, you know, it, there's so much tension going on that you feel like if you crack a smile, you're going to be fired on the spot? Do you want to work in that kind of environment? Of course not. Now, you know work needs to get done. And, you know, uh, what's the saying? No uh, something, no work work all day, no play, some, something. I don't even know what the quote is, folks. Uh, but, you know, you, you want to have some 
some sort of fun, some sort of lightheartedness in the office, in your working environment, folks. And that's exactly what it should be on the football field as well. Yes, business, but you know, hey, you know, we're, we're all people, and we're all we all know what's at task. We all know what we want to do and what we, what we want to accomplish here. So you know, let's not just treat it like you know, gloomy Monday, <laughs> gloomy Mondays every day. What are we freaking uh, Garfield out here? Oh, I hate Mondays, but, but oh, okay. we love Mondays, loving Mondays. Okay, that. <laughs> That's what coaches should be. Do you love Mondays? If I was a general manager and owner, I'd have one question one question for all my head coaches. How do you feel about Mondays? And that's all I need to know about them, whether they're a good coach or not. How do you feel about Mondays? If they're Garfield, meh, next. If they're Odie on a Monday, you ever see Odie on a Monday, folks? Man, oh, man, that man goes wild on the Mondays. All right, what else do we get here from uh, Mike McDaniel? Here we go, another quote here. Still same from the FaceTime call and all that. Quote, it's going to be fun, man. It's going to be work. Once again, it's going to be work, but it's going to be fun, man. It's going to be work, but it's going to be fun, man. Exactly what we want to see. It's going to be work. It's, it's going to be fun, man. It's going to be work, but I know you're not afraid of that. So this is an awesome day for me. I'm damn sure going to make sure when you look back on this day, you are going to be like, damn, this is one of, the, one of the best days of my career too. I will earn that from you too, okay? I will earn that from you. I know I'm your coach and you're my player and overall just the overall kind of blanket is, hey, I'm your superior all of that. I get that, but hey, I'm going to earn it. I could instantly come in and be demanding because I am your coach. You know, I, I, you know, am kind of above you. I am your boss. You must do what I say for the most part, but I'm going to earn. I'm going to earn everything from you. I'm not going to come in and just demand, demand, demand. I'm going to earn your respect. I'm going to earn your trust on how well I can communicate and, you know, put you in the right positions to succeed. This is, oh, like, ah, oh, ah. Oh, I like, I think Sean McVay is probably my favorite coach so far currently, but Mike McDaniels is truly chasing that number one spot. Mike McDaniel already probably my number two favorite coach in the NFL at the current moment. So, uh, that's what we got from Mike McDaniel. You can hear the call. That I think they posted it on all their social medias. But you can hear just, you know, the tone in his voice and all that. Maybe he could be a little bit more assertive in his overall tone. Maybe just, a, if, if, I'm, if I'm looking for it, like any knock, maybe just a little, a little too, uh, and it's just like so small. But maybe just like a too soft-spoken. You're the guy now. You're the coach. Let's kind of, you know, you know, truly speak confidently and, uh, yeah, confidently, um, you know, all the time. So that's what we have to kind of maybe track on Mike McDaniel if he can kind of, you know, now be the guy being just an offensive coordinator to now the one running the entire show. It's a huge step, folks. So we'll see if he can conquer that. But I'm sure he gosh dang can. I haven't really seen anything so far that is going to show otherwise. So that's what we're getting from Mike McDaniel, and we're loving everything about it. Absolutely. All right, some more coaching news. This isn't anything uh, with a new coach, but this is truly deserved right here. The Titans extend head coach Mike Vrabel. Uh, so this is fantastic. Mike Vrabel deserves so much gosh dang credit. You know, making Ryan Tannehill work and look good 
Derrick Henry goes down and you still win the AFC. What the hell is that? So, great leader. And this gives hope to everybody, folks, because this man is just a straight-up defensive guy. Uh, you know, played linebacker in the NFL under Bill Belichick. Then he got his first coaching job in 2014 with the Texans from 2014 to 2017 as the linebacker's coach and the defensive coordinator. And then in 2018, becoming a head coach. So, defensive guy here. Fantastic. A huge, great leader that can get it done. Offense doesn't really miss a beat. The offense is still good. Able to kind of truly uh, see what's great offense because we saw Arthur Smith, their offensive coordinator, leave this season. And then he brings in a new one. And the offense really never skipped a beat. So able to judge offensive talent. This is kind of, you know, one of the exceptions to the rule here. Here, So, you know, even though your team may have hired a defensive coordinator and we are not loving the pick first immediately, I mean, there's still hope for y'all's team out here, folks. So defense still can work, folks. It's not, we're never, we, we, we never said that defense defensive guys at the head coaching position can never work. Yes, there's obviously players, things that work, obviously. So, Mike Vrabel getting extended. We absolutely love it. But, but, folks, but he's not just totally 100% offense, folks, because this man, he ended up catching 12 touchdowns as a tight end in his playing career. So, he still knows a little bit of offense, okay? So, maybe, you know, let's get a little bit of a little offensive background with our defensive-minded head coaches, okay? Because the man was still catching touchdown passes, folks. So Mike Vrabel, great contract extension right here for him. Definitely deserves it. A great guy, great leader, all that in this Titans team. I mean, they don't miss a beat. Missing their best players, uh, losing, um, uh, who was it? It was uh, A.J. Brown. They capped uh, Corey Davis. They lost Corey Davis, bringing Julio Jones. He's missing games. A.J. Brown was missing games. Derrick Henry missed, like, the entire season. And uh, he still was able to claim that number one seed in the AFC. That's big time. That's big. That's just big time right there for ad coach. So Mike Vrabel getting extended. Absolutely the right decision. And then so just some uh, things to touch on quickly here. The Green Bay Packers have officially um, hired Rich Bisaccia as their special teams coordinator. So Rich Bisaccia is still in the league. We love that. We, uh, you know, we really wanted him to be the head coach for the Raiders again this season, especially hearing from all the players after he kind of got let go. And uh, the Packers, they definitely needed a new special teams guy. So I think this is a great hire for Rich Bisaccia. And we'll see if... Um, Aaron Rodgers returns with Devontae Adams and all that so they can actually be good with Rich Bisaccia next season. All right, now we're going to get a little bit of a uh, little bit of a rumor here so far. The Cowboy, a Cowboys insider, expects the team to cut Amari Cooper and Demarcus Lawrence this offseason. So uh, this is going to be tough. It's going to be tough, uh, tougher, tougher on Kellen Moore, tougher on Dak Prescott offensively. Not having Amari Cooper, Ceedee Lamb's going to have to step up. Ceedee Lamb and Dak Prescott are going to have to start getting way more on the same page here. So. This is not looking great for this Cowboys team. I know these are all just kind of rumors so far, but uh, if they lose Amari Cooper offensively, uh, the offense was lacking this season. You know what we mean? So it's going to get even worse. And Demarcus Lawrence, he's a great defender. I think they can overcome him on the defensive side of the ball just because they've got so much young emerging talent. But that's such a great leader right there. We've praised Demarcus Lawrence all season long on his leadership. So... Man, oh man, the Cowboys could be getting a little bit worse this season, and that's not good because they weren't that great overall this season. So, just we'll watch for that as the offseason truly kind of starts to take off.
And then the last thing right here, uh, we told y'all yesterday, Kyler Murray unfollowed every Arizona Arizona Cardinals social media accounts. And, you know, now we get Larry Fitzgerald on the input saying, uh, quote, I just hope everything works out the way both sides want it to work out. So kind of playing neutral there. He's not even on the team anymore. Like, let your feelings out. But, um, yeah, Kyler Murray, this thing is truly coming out of left field. Uh, but, um um, yeah, I mean, um, where was I going with that? Um, yeah, like this whole Kyler Murray thing truly coming out of left field. We know he kind of floundered in the back end of the season, the last two seasons. That was overall offensively. And we're seeing, you know, the Seahawks have the same problem. So what do Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson have in common? They're both smaller, shorter quarterbacks. And they're both kind of, you know, in this thing of, hey, I'm about to leave my team that kind of made me who I am so it's just real interesting folks and we'll see what Kyler Murray ends up decides to do or if they kind of force him out with the trade or anything like that but once again shorter quarterbacks yeah they may look flashy and have some glimpses of brilliance but can they do that for the entire year can they win a Super Bowl Russell Wilson did he can do it interesting but smaller quarterbacks folks may not work in this league anymore how unfortunate would that be but once again we'll definitely be looking at that and talking that this entire offseason Alrighty, those were all the stories that we just wanted to cover uh quickly here so now let's start to talk about super bowl matchup here folks some film studies i want to watch we're we're not going to get to uh, all of them. We will probably only be able to get to one of them. Classic. But we've still got time, folks. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Sunday. We'll do a – should we do a show? We may do something special for a Sunday show. May may do something special. May do something special for that Sunday Super Bowl show. May do something. May. May, may, may. Let's see. I got something cooking maybe potentially. Float some ideas out there. We'll see what happens. Um. So still got a couple of days to talk about the Super Bowl. Once again, just got to get it right. We must end the season on a high note. And we got it wrong last year. We ended up taking the Chiefs last season. I'm pretty sure we took the Chiefs last year. Um, so we got to get it right this year. Got to end the year on a high note. Got to feel good about ourselves heading into this offseason. We can't end the NFL season on a loss, folks, and have that loss dragged out for eight months. It would kill me. It would ruin takes by fans' reputation, folks. All right, so there are some films I want to watch here, but there is another thing I do kind of want to talk about here um, on why I'm still leaning towards the Bengals. Once again, we're at 98% leaning towards the Bengals. We're locking everything in a little bit later in the week. Um, But um, another reason that I'm loving the Bengals is because, once again, just the energy and the fans, the Rams, they really don't have a fan base, folks. L.A., nobody cares about football. You see all the celebrities going to the game. They don't give a damn about the game. They know it's an experience. That's why the Las Vegas Stadium is probably, like, the best stadium that there is. Um, It's a beautiful, gorgeous stadium, but it's just for high-profile people to go and kind of uh, socialize on a Sunday. Hey, you want to socialize on a Sunday? Yeah, what can we do? Well, we can go down to the uh, Ram Stadium and we can get a nice suite to ourselves. We can get kind of some clout posting pictures on social media. Maybe they'll even put us on the Jumbotron, the national broadcast. Hey, yeah, uh, you hey, other famous guy, you want to go out and uh, socialize on a Sunday down at SoFi Stadiums? Socialize Sundays at SoFi? Can somebody hire me at 
at a marketing department, folks, that's how you market it. Uh, yeah, the fans, the normal people, but that's not where you're getting your money from, people. The whales, the big celebrities, the ones that are paying for the thousands of dollar suites every single week. That's who you want to truly market and target. So there it is. There it is. Uh, Ram social, uh, Rams media department, marketing department. Socialize Sundays at SoFi. Bingo. Alliter alliteration works, folks. Alliteration is king. You give me an alliteration, I'd buy whatever product or service you're trying to sell me, okay? Um, socialize Sundays at SoFi Stadium. Man, I'm... I'm brilliant, folks. Yeah, I'm about to shut down takes by fans, and I'm about to start my own independent marketing department. So on Sundays, and that's going to be the sun, my slogan, Sundays socializing at SoFi. Um, all right. But, um, yeah, the, the Rams, they don't have that fan base, folks. And we saw that exactly at their individual pep rally. So uh, they, these teams, before they kind of officially left, Rams didn't have to leave. And they couldn't really, I don't think they could have held it at their stadium because it's getting worked on for the Super Bowl. But uh, the Bengals holding a pep rally at their uh, at their home stadium a few days ago. And uh, you'll, you'll just see the difference in energy. So let's start here with the Rams. The Rams pep rally for their upcoming Super Bowl appearance. We get Diana Rossini from ESPN reporting. And this is the tweet that she says. This is the words that she said, folks. Rams rally, and they are about to arrive to the thousands of fans. Thousands of fans. It feels so high school in the best way. All right, but it truly is high school. I mean, what the hell is this field? Where the hell are they? This is a high school stadium. This is a high school field, folks. Um, so, you know, once again, I, I think if they could have had it at SoFi Stadium, they should have, but I, I don't think they could have had it there because getting ready and set up for the Super Bowl. Uh, but, uh, yeah, she tweets out this picture, and there's not even close to a 1,000 people there. And then once the players arrive, she sends out this tweet. Uh, she says, okay, 500, referring to, you know, saying, hey, there's about to be a thousands of fans. There's like 500 fans here. Nobody's loud. Nobody's really kind of truly cheering. And then we get uh, video of the players being introduced. And once again, no hype, no energy. There's nobody in the back. So all the people that we just saw, that's everybody who's there. There's no, oh, well, you know, you didn't see from the other end of the field where everybody else was. No, no, no. There's only like 500 people here for this Rams pep rally getting ready for a Super Bowl. Getting to a Super Bowl should be a big deal to your fans. And everybody should have came out and celebrated. And, you know, we're, we're getting loud and pumped but nobody was folks absolutely not so this was the Rams pep rally and then we take a look at the Bengals pep rally being held in their home stadium this thing is sold out folks this thing is packed um the first floor is packed the second row and third row um they're empty but like it's supposed to be personal, it's supposed to be intimate, it's not supposed to be kind of like a classic game day atmosphere, it's supposed to be a little bit more intimate, everybody close on the field, close to the field, and that's exactly what it was, full rocking house, uh, the NFL says that 30,000 tickets were distributed at the Bengals rally tonight, so I'm assuming at least 30,000 people were there, if you gave out 30,000 tickets, um, I would assume 30,000 people were there, and I don't understand what tickets were given out, tickets to the Super Bowl, y'all gave out 30,000 tickets? for free that doesn't sound right to SoFi Stadium maybe it is that'd be dope as heck you go here and you get a Super Bowl ticket 
Uh, so I don't know what tickets they're referring to, but I just know the number 30,000. And 30,000 is way more than 500. So everybody on this Bengals pep rally, this is a true pep rally. And then we had the introduction of the players and getting them all riled up, people going crazy. CJ Uzama, you know, we know he's been a little banged up. He said he's not going to miss this game, the biggest game of his life. He's not going to miss it. And a walking boot here, he takes it off, he throws it in the crowd, the crowd erupts folks with CJ Uzama throwing off his leg brace and then a little bit later he goes around running after taking off his leg brace high-fiving the fans getting everybody pumped up this is a pep rally folks okay so I don't know what the Rams are doing. Nobody really celebrates them. They don't really have a big fan base. You know, they want to win, obviously. But, you know, we saw them flounder the game week 18 against the 49ers because there was more 49ers fans there than the Rams fans. And we heard the players speak out of saying, you know, that was something. They, they spoke about it, folks. They never said, you know, we lost the game solely because of that. But they did say that that made a big impact in the game, not having your home fans uh, rallying around you when you were down and losing the lead and all that. So here we go, Super Bowl Sunday. Yes, it's in your home stadium. That's great. But there's going to be no fans cheering for the Rams. And do you see how much attention and clout Joe Burrow's getting? I mean, you mentioned Joe Burrow's name on social media. You'll get 10,000 likes instantly. People love the kid. The man's got some swagger. This is a little bit of a millennial quarterback. Not in any negative sense, but, you know, in the cool swag, cool as a cucumber, um, you know, social media driven. You, everyone's bringing up his old Tweets of him just tweeting like a normal kid. Um, so people are going to be just supporting Joe Burrow. People that don't even like football. And that's exactly what the Super Bowl is. People, Half the people don't care about the game. They're there for the halftime show or the food or the commercials and everything like that. The atmosphere. It's a big old day. You have to really watch it. It's, a, it's honestly like a holiday here in the United States. So that's going to be who's watching this game and rooting for the game and going to be at the game. People going for Joe Burrow, folks, celebrating Joe Burrow, wanting to see him win. So I really think SoFi Stadium's crowd is going to be almost all bangles, folks, even though it's home team for the Rams. So I think that's going to play a huge part in this game, especially if the Rams get down big early. It could be almost impossible for them to come back. We know, you know, your play on the field can dictate it and all that and they've got the great offense and defense but so do the Bengals folks we're looking for like the one or two things that is truly going to make the key difference of this game we all know Joe Burrow got sacked nine times we understand that we get that and the offensive coordinator gets that as well you think they're just going to be talking about Joe Burrow getting sacked nine times in a playoff game and not try to do everything they can for the final two weeks to fix that and how to not let that happen again and be able to kind of play off of that to so the Rams kind of overplay once again kind of 3D chess um uh, reverse psychology and all that against your opponent. There is a big mental aspect to every single sports and competitive event that there is folks. So two weeks to get involved into this in the biggest story. Once again, that's the biggest story. Joe Burrow getting sacked. Everybody's talking about it. That is the biggest story of this game here. So let's hear from Bengals offensive coordinator Brian Callahan on how he plans to kind of go about that because he says he's, quote, 
expecting a big game from the oft-maligned offensive line versus the Rams. So let's see what we're getting from the offensive coordinator. And obviously, he's not going to expect explained his plan to us because you're not going to do that before the game and give you know the Rams the insight but let's see uh does he know does well does the offensive coordinator know that you know Joe Burrow's been sacked nine times in a game I'm sure he has if everybody else knows so let's see what he's kind of saying here quickly uh, we we can go through this. Uh, let's go through this article. We'll uh, we'll see what we get. Um, so here we go. Frank Pollock has heard enough about the purported mismatch of S- Super Bowl Fifty Six, the Cincinnati Bengals pass protection against the Los Angeles Rams pass rush, and the Bengals offensive line coach isn't buying it. Cincinnati quarterback Joe Burrow was sacked an NFL high fifty one times in the regular season, and Pollock's maligned line is now preparing to face two elite quarterback hunters, one inside, one outside, and Aaron Donald and Von Miller. Pollock says, quote, the offensive line coach says, quote, I don't pay attention to all the outside noise, if you will. The narrative is the narrative. I could care less. This is the ultimate team game. You need all aspects pulling in the same direction to have success. We're on one, we're one of, we're one of those facets, facets. We're We're going to keep grinding and let the chips fall where they may. I don't get caught up in all that stuff. That's a nice story for you guys and the fans to worry about, not for us. Okay, I did not think that's how this story was going to go. Wow. He basically said, yeah, I don't care that he got sacked 51 times and that is a team game. And it is truly a team game. We see the defense. I mean, you know, they held the Titans to what, 16 points? What, they win 19-16, 19-17? So, you know, the defense, yes, it is still a team game, but you still want to, to not let Joe Burrow get sacked nine times because if he does get sacked once and he gets injured, then your whole offense is out the window. That whole facet of the game is out the window. So I don't love how he's just kind of truly dismissing this. This is making, this is truly concerning. Like I said, I, did not, I, don't, I don't really preview that much ahead of the show. I like everything to kind of, you know, come off authentic as possible. Um, so we, I didn't preview what the quote was, and I'm a little disappointed that this is what the truth quote is uh, saying I don't pay attention to that Uh, we're gonna keep grinding and let the chips fall where they may kind of saying that we'll let him keep getting sacked nine times he did it before he can do it again and if they don't well then we lose and that's just where the chips fall I don't love that attitude and then saying I don't get caught up in all that stuff that's a nice story for you guys well, yeah, it's a good story because it's what actually happened on the field. He got sacked nine times, and you only won by one possession. That was not a blowout game. It's not like you got sacked nine times, but you put up 50 points and ended up winning 50-10, to 10, and it was a blowout win, and the sacks never mattered. No, that was a close game all throughout. So I don't love it, but also could just kind of be – trying to do reverse psychology. Yeah, I don't care about that. Okay. But secretly, yeah, he's cleaning everything up. And once again, he knows this is the biggest story, folks. In the, like, I know I've said that like four times in the last minute, but that is truly the biggest story. That's what everybody is talking about. That's what they're only talking about. I'm hearing, folks, I don't just look at one source, folks. I, I listen to what y'all say. I see what uh, professionals are saying. I'm seeing what people in the media are saying. I'm listening to radio personalities talk. I'm listening to my family talk. I'm listening to everybody, and everybody is literally just focusing on this one point, and it's a great point, folks. I'm not saying that y'all are wrong for doing that. I understand it, but that's literally the only thing people are truly talking about. 
So we'll see how the offensive line coach truly <laughs> overcomes it. But so far in that first opening, <laughs> opening statement, he's got no plan to fix it. He doesn't care about it. Once again, is this reverse psychology trying to outsmart the room? It's a dangerous game to play, but it can be played well. And if you do play it well, it will work. But we'll see. Let's continue with the article. Maybe you can win us back a little bit. I'm, I think I'm dropping it. How we said, we started at like 99% buying into the Bengals plus 4.5. And, and we are going to check the line again today to see if it dropped any. Hopefully it went up. If it goes to 5, I'm locking in 5. If it ever reaches Bengals plus 5, I will lock it in, folks. Whenever it happens, I will lock that in. Give me the five. I'll take the. I'll, I'll take better value when I can, and I don't see it going any higher than five. I doubt it gets to five and a half or six. But I mean, as soon as it hits five, I bet it. And then if it goes up to five and a half, I bet it again. And if it goes up to six, I bet it again. And I will keep on betting it as it climbs. Okay, I will bet it fifty different ways. Uh, but let's uh, see what uh, we've got left in this article. So here we go. Pollock involved invoked basketball coaching great John Wooden, who won 10 NCAA titles at UCLA in praising his line for its ability to play well in clutch moments. Pollock cited Wooden's, quote, pyramid of success, which is topped by competitive greatness, and said his unit delivers that when it's needed most. That's a hard sell for Bengals fans who witnessed nine sacks of Joe Burrow in NFL playoff time record in the divisional round against the Tennessee Titans. Pollock sees a silver lining even in that game, however. Oh my god, I love that. That's not even the quote, folks, but I love that. Yes, pyramid of success. Yes, we get sacked here and there. That's fine, but when the game matters, they step up, and that's exactly it. That's exactly the Bengals to an absolute T right there, folks. Absolutely. They let, they let the Chiefs score 28 points, 21 points in the first half of both of their games. Then what did they do the second half? When it truly mattered, the pyramid of success came to fruition. Three points by the Chiefs, both games in the second half, and they win no problem. The defense steps up. They step up when they need to, folks. Wow, I love that. I was going to say, I think I cut myself off, uh, but I was going to say, you know, we started at 99% buying into the Bengals plus four and a half, and then I went on my tangent of I would bet them every single half a point until it stops. Uh, but I was going to say, reading that first quote, I dropped down to like 96% um, of betting on the Bengals, but now off of this just one paragraph alone, I'm back up to 99%. I love that. Yes, yes, yes. Exactly with Eli Apple. Everybody clowns him. Oh, he can't cover. He can't cover. Yeah, that's true. He does get burned here and there. But what does he do when it matters most? The pyramid of success. I love that. The pyramid of success. I'm about to use that for the rest of my life, folks. I love that little quote right there. Pyramid of success. Yes. Eli Apple, forced that game-winning interception in the game that Joe Burrow got sacked nine times. So true complementary football here, offensively, defensively, uh, every facet of the game. Man, I'm loving it. Now let's hear from Pal Pollock himself now. Damn, I'm loving this. I'm back into it. I'm about to lock it in now. Damn, I'm there. I'm close to that 100%. Ooh, can he rein me in? I'll, I'm gonna, I might lock it in right here after this quote, folks. Quote, at the end of the Tennessee game, in the final drive, the pass protection was flawless. In overtime in Kansas City, it was real exciting to see our guys take over the trenches and run the ball and let Joe Mixon carry the rock downhill and get close for the field goal. That was exciting. Yes, in overtime, they step up. 
Ooh, exactly. Big clutch time moments. Joe Burrow never blinks. Never blinks under pressure in crunch time. The offensive line does not blink and allow sacks in crunch time. Eli Apple does not get burned in crunch time on this Bengals team. I'm loving it. We get one more quote here. Let's read the last lead up. The Rams sack rate of 7.4% ranked 5th in the NFL in the regular season, according to next-gen stats. Donald led the team with 12.5 sacks, and Miller added 5 after being acquired in a trade from the Denver Broncos. Along with Donald and Miller, Leonard Floyd notched 9.5 sacks of his own as the team totaled 50 on the year, but Bengals offensive coordinator Brian Callahan echoed Pollock's confidence. So we heard from Pollock, the offensive line coach, now from the offensive coordinator. Says, quote, I've got a ton of confidence in our guys up front. They're battle-tested. They've played in tough games. They've managed. They've made mistakes. They've given up sacks. They just keep coming back and fighting. That's all you can ask for at this point in the year is for those guys to keep playing as hard as they possibly can for as long as it takes to win. That's kind of been their mantra all year long, and they've done a great job of doing that. We might not have a line full of pro bowlers, but we've got guys that play really hard and they play well together and we're expecting a big game from them. So, once again, the offensive line just getting it done when they need to. Um, we see the you know the team with the most talent or the team that everybody talks about. They don't always win the game, folks. There are other factors of just sheer talent uh, that can win games. So, this offensive line, folks, I know it may be a problem, but nobody blinks, nobody flinches, and we've seen the Rams flinch a couple of times when they started to face a little adversity over the Patriots, or over the uh, Bucks. When they got up big in the uh, divisional round, that was the same week, right? The Titans faced the Bengals, and the Bucks faced the Rams. Wasn't that the same week? I think that was the same week, folks, uh, division championship. But whatever it was, we saw the Rams kind of blink in the face of adversity a little bit. Um, you know, they Bucks started to come back, and then Cam Akers started to keep fumbling and fumbling. Cooper Cup fumbled in a big-time spot when the game was starting to kind of get out of hand for the Rams. So we've seen the Rams blink, and even in Week 18, when they were up against the 49ers and allowed them to come back, they blunk. We don't see the Bengals blinking in the second half. They may blink in the first half, but the Rams blink in the second half when you really cannot be blinking. The Bengals blink in the first half when it's okay to kind of blink a little bit because there's still more time to overcome all that blinking and keeping your eyes open in the second half. So, yes, yes, Aaron Donald may have a couple of sacks. Von Miller may have a couple of sacks, but at the end of the day, this Bengals team, they're tighten it. They know how to win. The pyramid of success, folks, making the big time plays in the big time situations in big time games. That's what the Bengals are truly made of. Where with with the Rams, with Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford, they kind of crumble a little bit. Sean McVay and play calling. That kind of one knock that we had on Sean McVay play calling in their game against the 49ers, that came when they were down trying to come back. They blink. They blink, folks. The Rams blink and the Bengals don't blink. Oh, my goodness. I swear to goodness, you show me five right now. I'm taking it, folks. Let's refresh this line. Show me five. I'm taking it now. 
Damn, still at four and a half. I'm 99.9% there, folks. I can't lock it in until maybe Saturday. But man, oh man, Bengals, I'm loving the value here. And I don't get what y'all really see in this Rams team. Everybody's on the Rams, folks. Everybody is truly betting on the Rams. But I'm loving, I am gushing over this Bengals plus four and a half, folks. Truly gushing over this. I love it. Man, man. Wow, F I everything I just read right there, folks. I'm loving this Bengals. They lost me for a second, a quick second, but then they reeled me back in better than ever. Man, I love what this Bengals team is, folks. I love this Bengals team. We've watched them. I mean, we uh, we're not gonna have time for any film studies today. Truly unfortunate. Um, we, we, I mean, we've watched these ones before folks. We've watched the sacks against the Titans. We've watched his best performance against the Baltimore Ravens. Um, there is one thing I do kind of want to show quickly that we haven't, I thought I did say this, uh, but I was kind of going back rewatching, um, what we said in, on uh, the, uh, AFC championship game against the Bengals or against the chiefs. And I guess I never brought it up and I wanted to. Um, so, I mean, we, we saw the game against the Ravens. That was his best statistical game. It was good. We didn't love it at the time. So I do want to kind of revisit it for that part. Um, and we saw him get sacked nine times. So we've already really seen that. Uh, watching Matthew Stafford again is key in his best statistical game because that was week three. I uh, can't remember that one too much and we haven't really ever went back to that. So, I mean, we've still got time to fit all this in. So we are truly not tripping out here, folks. Uh, but I do want to, well, let's end it right on here. Um, I, this is, I mean, this is the throw right here, folks. It, it's such a, and this is why Joe Burrow is good. And this is why you need smart confident quarterbacks at your quarterback position, folks, smart, confident, smart and confident. And that's what Joe Burrow is. And we see it right here. Third and five. This is the second drive of the game, folks. So it's not like, uh, you know, this is still in the first quarter when they were blinking a little bit. Uh, but um, Chiefs are up seven, nothing. Third and five. And this is like the either second or third, third and five of the drive here. Third and five here. Bengals at the Chiefs, 46-yard line, down 7 nothing. This is the second drive of their game right here. And this is all you need to see. You show one play. You can show one play of Joe Burrow, and you show this play right here. This is why you show the play. Smart, confident anticipation of the throw. So we got trips to the right. So, you know, once trips to the right, you're scheming something to be open on the right side of the field. Um, yes, you can fake and throw it back to the left. We get that. But for the most part, when you got trips to the right, you're throwing to the right part of the field. It's just which level is going to open up is it going to be the outside flat is it going to be the inside kind of um, slant or is it going to be kind of the 10 15 yard down the middle can break either right or left which one is going to be open and Joe Burrow sees it perfectly so here we go we get the snap Joe Burrow immediately looking to the right because he knows that's where the ball is going to be going it's scheming the scheme is open for this player right here to get open Joe Burrow sees it sees it open it's just a simple kind of out route uh, by one of the three trips to the left. 
receivers. Joe Burrow sees it, throws the ball, and look at this. The receiver is looking back at the ball, and the ball is already out of Joe Burrow's hands. Joe Burrow saw it open, didn't kind of get that eye contact. Uh, you know, the receiver still was kind of in the middle of breaking his route and not looking back at the ball, and the ball was already out of Joe Burrow's hands. And I know it sounds simple as, oh, you know, it was just an anticipation throw, but there are so many times of quarterbacks not being confident in their ability of reading the field, making sure it's the right play, um, and just kind of waiting for that route to truly break open and to, for the receiver to look back at, and then it's already too late. The defender was able to catch up to the ball. Joe Burrow throws this ball on anticipation. It gets there right before the defender, and it's an absolute dime of a throw. This is a beautiful throw. Picks up the first down, only gets about a yard extra, uh, maybe two yards extra, but it's because of the anticipation by Joe Burrow, knowing that the ball is going to go to that side, seeing it open, knowing the route is open, knowing the throw is there before the receiver even looks back at him, and Joe Burrow, I mean, cool, confident, confident in his own throws, pocket was a little collapsing, but just confident and smart, knowing where to go with the football, and that's why Joe Burrow has had so much success over his first two seasons, because he's confident in what his knowledge is on how to read defenses, knowing what the play is, and knowing what is open in the NFL. Big time credit needs to be given to Joe Burrow, folks. Um, oh man, oh man, I'm, I really want this to be five. Can y'all keep betting on this Rams minus four and a half? So this goes to Rams plus five. You give me Rams plus five, I am locking it in. I don't care um, if it's today, later tonight, tomorrow. Uh, like I said, I think we're going to lock in our pick Saturday on our Saturday show. Maybe Sunday. Maybe we'll even lock it in game day Sunday. But if it ever gets to five, I am locking it in that second. That second. Alrighty, folks, that's going to do it for us today, folks. That is going to do it for us today. We're back live tomorrow around noon Eastern, uh, potentially like 1120-ish. We do like an hour Tuesday, Thursdays. We got uh, we have, uh, we have to do things on Tuesdays and Thursdays, folks. It's unfortunate. Subscribe to our Patreon, and then we won't have to do that anymore. But uh, we got to do things on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Hinder the show a little bit. We make it work, though. Um, so uh, probably around like 1120-ish tomorrow, hopefully, um, if we can do it during the day. Great. Um, but we'll probably go for an hour. We'll try to fit in some uh, film studies. We'll try to go over the NBA a little bit quickly tomorrow. Uh, so we do have more time for the NFL so we can watch these uh, film studies, uh, you know, just once again, getting it all together. Let's rewatch it. We've got takes already set out there. Let's rewatch those to make sure those are good or do we miss anything? We got to get this bet right, folks. We are stressing that because that is the most important thing to me. I don't care. I don't, you know, we're, we're, we're on a streak on basketball and I want to knock on wood here. But, you know, if the basketball goes to shit for this week, I don't care. I care only about the NFL betting right now in the Super Bowl. We must get it right. I must get that right for y'all, folks. I pride myself too much on not getting this pick right okay so we're back live tomorrow we'll try to uh you know watch some film study once again make sure we are confident in our picks uh our pick that we will make and leaning towards um so we'll be back tomorrow uh what else do we got here closing out any trades going on we get sterling brown is questionable for that's tomorrow we get porzingis is out tomorrow so we'll try to keep that in mind uh, if we're betting on the pacers um all right 
Um, here we go. Anything breaking does not seem like it. So we are going to get out of here, folks. Still loving the Bengals plus four and a half. We'll see if that changes from today to tomorrow. I don't know if it will. We're at 99.9%, .9%, folks, the highest we've been on betting the Bengals. We slipped down to 96% today, but they got us right back at that 99.9, .9, the highest we've been. So we're back live tomorrow, folks. We'll see if anything changes. We'll report on everything that we see. Talk it all through tomorrow, and maybe we lock it in tomorrow. Do we lock it in tomorrow, folks? You won't want to miss it. We might lock it in tomorrow. Could happen. If we reach that 100%, we'll lock it in. If it reaches 5, we'll lock it in. Don't miss it, folks. You won't want to miss it. All righty, folks. We are out of here. Have an absolute great one. We're 2 for 2, 5 for 5 for the last two days of betting NBA, folks. So mm, should you tell us tonight? Mom, probably, probably. That's what the stats say. All righty, folks. We are out of here. Have an absolute great one.